Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hello Storyteller podcast. I am Melissa, and Meg is here. Hi, Meg. Hey, hey, hey. And today we are going to dive right in to our third series episode, third episode, third part. I don't know what to call these anymore of Passion to Profit, which I have to say, like, I'm really enjoying this series that we're doing. So I guess it's a third episode in our Passion to Profit series. That, that makes more sense. We'll do it that way. Yeah, okay. That, that works. Sure. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this series a lot. I think we've gotten some great feedback on it. People seem to really be enjoying it. And this is sort of like the stuff that I really love to talk about. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So today we're going to cover ideal client. And with the caveat that it might not be what you think it is, we're going to tell you sort of like how to figure out who your ideal client is and why that's important. We're going to talk about how to keep your business organized because that's super important. And then we had a request from a listener to talk a little bit more about maybe some non-traditional ways to create an income with photography that doesn't require taking on like portrait or wedding sessions. So the two types of photography projects that we're going to talk about today are uh, corporate events and photo booths because those are fun. Yeah, they are fun. mm -hmm. But we're going to dive right in and start talking about ideal client. And so I think sometimes when people hear the word ideal client, they think about this like once or twice in a career type of client that they'll get that they would, oh my gosh, I would love to have that type of client. And I think that is the wrong way to think about it because you should only be working with people that are your ideal clients. Why would you want to work with people that don't look at things the same way you do, that don't hold the same values, that don't want the same thing out of their investment? Like that's just, you're, you're selling yourself short if that's not what you're striving for. And I would say that I think sometimes we use ourselves as a barometer and we think, well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want that or I wouldn't spend that much money or that's not how, if I was a client, that's not how I would do it or how I would want it. And I would caution you to understand that you, you may not be your ideal client. <laughs> like <laughs> if you're using yourself as that's your own, funny. <laughs> as a, you, I mean, well, you, might, <laughs> you might not be. Uh, so I'm a great client. What are you talking about? Well, it, it, I, I say not. Okay. And when I say ideal, I don't mean that the opposite of that is horrible. I just mean the people that are going to value what you do. So good and bad are is different than ideal and not ideal. So like having a, a you know, a red flag client is not the same thing as having a non-ideal client. It just means trying to bring in clients that value what you want your clients to value. Because I mean, there's nothing better than having a session with somebody who like paid attention, who read your website, who understands your vision, who's excited to work with you, who's willing and ready to invest. Like that is what I mean by ideal client. You could bring an ideal client in and still have, they could still potentially end up being, you know, difficult to work with. <laughs> so there's a difference between good and bad and ideal and not ideal. But what it does, as we talked about, I think it was in the first episode is you have to, you have to market. And so who are you marketing to? Well, if you're just casting your net out and hoping that you hit somebody, that's not a really effective marketing campaign. 
And so you really need to think about, okay, what types of people do I want to work with? What types of clients do I want to work with? And then you need to sort of like get, narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. Okay. So where do these people live? Do they live in my town? Do they not live in my town? I will tell you that as a business has grown, it's become very clear to me that my ideal client does not live in my town. My ideal client lives in Boston. They live just outside of Boston. Like that is at this point, like where the majority of my clients are coming from. And those and Boston the- is a good 45 minutes for me, right? Uh, yeah, almost just, just about an hour for me. Not to say that I don't have lovely clients that I absolutely love in my town, but in terms of the level of investment that I need my clients to make, um, that, that, that particular pillar requires them to live a little bit more to a more urban, like metropolitan area than where I live sort of out in farmland. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you, so I'll use this as an example. At this point, I could literally create a checkbox questionnaire. And as I'm having a wedding consult, I can just check off boxes as they, as they talk to me. Right. So my wedding couples typically live in and around Boston or they grew up in Massachusetts and they live in some other metropolitan area at this point, typically like New York, DC, California. They have a dog. They, (laughs) they love the outdoors. They love going hiking. They love eating. They love going to breweries. Uh, they're, they would describe themselves as laid back, low maintenance, looking to have fun. Like, the inquiries that come in for my wedding business, I typically, sometimes I know them or sometimes they've been referred to me by somebody else, but typically I don't know them at all. And one of the questions in my consult calls is tell me a little bit about yourselves. Like, how do you spend your time when you're not working? And as they talk, I'm just internally chuckling to myself because that's what they'll say. Oh, we just got a dog or we rescued a puppy and, and we live, you know, outside of Boston and, (laughs) and we love going to all these different breweries. And it's just, it's almost comical, but like, that is my ideal client. That is who they are. That is, if you were to look just, just specifically on those, like, where do they work? Where do they live? What do they like to do? What, like, that's my ideal client. I have fantastic wedding clients. I have never encountered a bridezilla horror wedding situation. Never at all. Not once. And that's because I know how to reach my ideal client. (laughs) And when it comes to my, my portrait work, they are families that have, you know, younger kids. They, the dads are super involved, super relaxed, super laid back. The moms are looking for someone to just capture their babies as they are. Like they typically, um, like there's the, someone in the, in the, in the relationship is a teacher usually. Someone sometimes works in like the tech world or like a software company. Like they usually have a dog. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just destiny for me to have Skipper because all my clients have dogs. I think but so. You need to you need to start figuring out who it is you want to work with. Where do they live? Where do they work? What do they do for fun? What are their values? Because that will allow you to be able to market much more effectively. And as you start bringing in clients that meet those criteria, when they have a really good experience with you, they will start referring you to friends and relatives. And chances are those friends and relatives will check off some of the same boxes, not all of them all the time, 
but some of the same. And then you end up with this network of clients that is in a position to invest with your business, that understands your vision, that loves the work that you do, that is a really lovely client to work with. And wouldn't, isn't that what we all want? We want, we want to be excited to, to go to work. <laughs> we yeah. want to like what we're doing and we want to, to have a good time doing it. And so I will say that, you know, at the beginning of my, of building my business, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't know how to do that. I, and I was just like, sure, I'll, I'll work with anybody. And then I got burned a couple of times and it required, it forced me to sort of change how I accepted uh, session fees. It forced me to change about like where I shoot locations and that's all growing pain stuff that happens with your business. But it became very, I, I began to understand the type of client that I wanted to work with. And so those are the people that I started marketing to. Those are the people that I figured out how to reach. And I started asking my clients to help me do that too. So I think, and, and I would say that I am probably not my ideal client. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe in some, in some ways I am, but I feel like my clients are far more relaxed in their sessions than I am. Like when I'm getting my own picture taken. I mean, that's one part of it, but I am willing to to invest in photography, it's important to me. You know, I invest in sessions. Oh, did, did I, I told you who we're having a session with this summer, right? I did I tell so. you? Tell me again. So we're going to Colorado in yeah, August. Yeah, you told me. Yes, yeah. Okay. And we have, <laughs> we have a session uh, with Sarah Cornish of My Four Hands Photography, and I'm so excited. I'm so I'm jelly. so excited. To meet her in person. I know. So I'm going to have to like really tone down my crazy parent when I'm working <laughs> with her, I feel like. <laughs> And just like embrace whatever chaos happens, I guess. I assume in some ways I am my ideal client, but. Just channel your inner Melissa, the photographer and not I know. Melissa, the mother. I know. I'm <laughs> going to have to just try like, to put that hat on. <laughs> it's okay for the kids to be crazy. It makes great photos. Like it does. yesterday I was cleaning out my oldest's room because I was looking for my youngest bag of something. Anyways, I was like, well, maybe it's in you know, her sister's room. So I'm going through there and her room is an utter disaster most mm -hmm. of the time. But I yep. was just like, okay, we're going to focus here, Meg. Focus, don't get mad. So I just had to, <laughs> I had, I had to say a mantra to myself. I had to say, look for bag, don't get mad. Look for bag, don't get mad. And I noticed how the tempo and the pace seemed to quicken as I found more and more nonsensical things in her drawers, such as, you know, some leftover ice cream in a bowl and a, oh, you know, geez. knocked over soda pop that could be twisted all the way closed or could it be? Who knows? <laughs> and then I just kept, now I started to say the mantra out loud. Look for bag, don't get mad. Look for bag, don't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can understand that because my kids' rooms when they're dirty, which is 95% of the time, is like walking into an episode of Hoarders. So yes, exactly. I understand. So I, understand. I say this to you. Because I want you to channel this when you're, you know, on the other side of the lens as mama bear and your kids are going wackadoo and crazy and mm -hmm. you're just going to be like, it makes for great photos. It makes for great photos. That's going to be my mantra. 
I'm just gonna take a shot before the session starts and I'm just gonna in my head I'm gonna be channeling Meg. It's all makes yeah. for great photos. It all makes for go. great photos. All so fine. moms out there, just remember <laughs> it makes for great photos. It really does. I take though. a shot. It really does. But I I understand that pain of like feeling like, oh my God, there's no possible way you're gonna get anything good here. Yeah. So yeah. that being said, I think if you don't know who it is you want to work with then you should start writing a list of the characteristics of those people. Yeah. And then figure out how you reach them. Where do they hang out? Do they hang out at a coffee shop? Do they do a, a you know, are they exercising in the park? Are they at the dog park? Are they, you know, are they parents of kids that are on sports teams? Like figure out where you can reach them and then reach them, get, get, get in front of them. Whether it's sending a quick email or it's showing up and dropping off a business card or just saying like, hey, you keep me in mind, like get yourself in front of those people and continue to get yourself in front of those people. And then, you know, hopefully you end up getting them as clients and, you know, it's a process, right? It's going to take time to build that client list. It's going to take time to bring clients on, especially if you're in a brand new business, and I'm going to have Meg talk a little bit about sort of, I, I sort of shared my ideal client and I'm going to have Meg talk about hers because she is in that phase where she is starting to take on client work again, which she has taken a hiatus from. So I think that's a really important perspective for our listeners to hear too, because many of you I'm sure are in that growing phase of trying to, you know, branch out and bring in new clients. And so Meg, why don't you talk a little bit about your ideal client? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about this and me personally, I am an empath sensitive. So I put all of my emotion into my work. So I feel after the years of kind of honing my craft and really finding my voice within my photography, I feel that people who are looking at my work online or looking to hire me as their photographer really feel that in in my work and what they see. And so I feel if like they understand my photography and my artwork, then they'll get me. And I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. you know, I I just feel that. So initially I think right off the bat, if they're contacting me, then then they get me. And I'm the type of person like I want to be everybody's friend. So that just kind of exudes out of me. Uh, <laughs> right, Mel? <laughs> That's true. I'm laughing only because I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> and so uh, okay, uh, I have enough friends. I'm good. <laughs> I can't people anymore. <laughs> so I really come at it from a, uh, a very friendly standpoint where I really want to understand my client. And so I feel like, you know, hopping on the phone or even meeting in person is so much easier than chatting on the phone per se. Mm -hmm. So if I can meet my, you know, potential client in person, so we can just get that more, much more intimate in the conversation and really understanding each other. And, uh, you know, me getting an idea of what they are looking for, and vice versa, you know, them just getting to know me a little bit better. I feel like that really helps for me per se. I also, uh, I think it's good to have some boundaries. Like Mel said, 
I'm in the phase now where I'm not looking to take on every single client. I'm not, you know, photographing every genre of photography. Um, I have really specialized. And I was kind of thinking about this last night where growing up, we, we were told to learn everything. You know, we go to college and we generalize and, and we learn all the undergrad stuff and we get all the knowledge. And I, I feel that is really great. But I feel as I have moved on in my career and I've kind of switched over careers that we have really now kind of switched over to a very specialized world where, you know, we're not looking for that generalized contractor anymore or you know someone who can juggle everything we really want someone that's actually honed their craft and you know been a professional in this very specific thing because they are great at it you know so i feel that finding a specialty whether it's maybe one or two things because i i i feel like i kind of have two things that I'm doing, whether it's, you know, I'm specializing in golden hour family sessions, and I'm also specializing in creative portraiture work in my studio. And I feel like that's something that's not uh, specifically offered in very many places, especially in my specific location. So I feel like if you can find a specialty, one that you love, and two that no one else is really offering in your area, I think that will really set you off in the right direction to really kind of just blow up, uh, you know, and just really take on that specific specialty. Yeah. Uh, again, and, and for that specialty, only showcase what you want to attract. You know, it's really mm -hmm. that law of attraction, right? That that mindset of only putting out there. Like I, I like intimate weddings. If you want to go get married, you know, in the mountains and you only have a few people and you say, hey, Meg, come join us and come shoot our intimate wedding. I'm, I'm so there. But if you have, you know, a hundred plus people and a wedding party and all that jazz, and it's going to be like a 10 hour day. Mm -mm, hard pass. You, I'll pass <laughs> that over to Mel. Mel, you got this. You know? I don't shoot 10 hour weddings anymore. <laughs> but I, I know what I like. I know mm -hmm. what I want to shoot and what I like to shoot and what I'm capable of shooting. And I know what my true passion is and where, where my best work is going to be. And so I, I don't shoot weddings anymore, maybe for like a very good friend or something in that manner. Or if, you know, it's a really great referral. I just can't pass up. It has to be a really great referral, but I'll, I'll pass that along to someone else that does shoot weddings. And I'm not going to put that on my website. I've really, honed in my website the last two years where it's, it's, I've branded the heck out of it and it is only what I want to shoot. So I do not have weddings on there. I don't have seniors on there. You know, I don't have uh, school photography, even though I love doing that. I don't have sports photography, even though I love doing that because I only want to showcase what I want to attract. Yeah. So I'm not putting that stuff out there. I'm only putting golden hour sessions with families that are super fun. And I'm only putting my creative studio portrait work. And that is it. And like my fun, you know, stuff with my girls, because that's yeah. my Your personal work. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and that's it. That's all. That's all I'm sharing, because that's I don't want any inquiries for anything else. So if it's no, not and it's there, I don't do it. Keeping your vision clear for your clients is hugely important. 
So similarly, like, I mean, I do in-home newborn sessions and I occasionally now, you know, my clients are like, oh, I got this really cute little, like, you know, knit sort of kitschy outfit. Would you take some photos in it? Here's the thing. I'm already there. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) I'll take the photos in it. (laughs) Absolutely. You want to dress them up like a caterpillar? Fine. I have no problem with that. You want to make them look like 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 an elephant? I, I have no issue with that. But I'm not going to post those photos. They can share them if they want to. That part doesn't bother me. I'm not going to say I'll shoot them, but don't share them. Like, whatever. I'm not going to ever post those pictures because I don't do posed prop outfit, you know, that type of newborn photography anymore. Those aren't the clients I want. And so when clients inquire with me and they ask me about props, I'm like, hmm, okay, let's. And so then I send them over. I'm like, this is what I do. And I show them a collection of my work. And I'm like, if you are looking for posed photography for newborns using props, I have fantastic photographers to refer you to. Because I totally get the aesthetic appeal of that. I totally understand why people want that. But I'm not the person to do that. So I will happily refer them out to my colleagues that do. Because I, I, I don't want them to be disappointed when they roll up to the session. Like, well, what do you mean? Like... So I think the clearer you can be on and how in the work that you share is going to help to bring in the clients that want those particular kinds of sessions. And then figuring out who your ideal clients are will help you be able to bring in not just clients that want those types of sessions, but also the types of clients that you want to work with. So just important to sort of keep that in mind. And if you haven't already done some thinking about that, let this be your motivation to think about that. So we wanted to sort of jump to our next topic, which is organizing your business, because while there's just a lot of moving parts (laughs) when it comes to always when it comes to managing your business. And, you know, when I started my business, I was doing everything piecemeal in a whole bunch of different places, you know, nothing was centralized. And so as my clients, you know, increased and I began to get more, it became very um, necessary for me to have a more centralized process of keeping everything organized because we talked about client experience is hugely important. So if somebody emails me and I don't see it or their contract doesn't get to them or is not formatted the right way, like that's all part of the client experience. And so I knew that I wanted some sort of system to be able to keep everything organized, but there was a bunch of them out there and I didn't really know what. I wanted, and to be honest, I don't even exactly remember how I stumbled onto Sprout, but I've been with Sprout since 2016. Like the hey, fall. Of, seriously? Yeah. The fall of 2016. Wow. Oh, wait, no, maybe 2017. That sounds more right. That sounds more correct. 2017. And they were brand new. They were, they were like a year in, I think, or maybe a year and a half in when I found them. And... I just, I love Sprout. So I've been using Sprout since 2017. We moved uh, Hello Storyteller into using Sprout for the Pro Creatives program. This past year, actually, I got both both Megs, East Coast Meg and West Coast Meg, to mm-hmm. come on over to Sprout, which I think I said before that we, I've been using Sprout since 2016. And then we got Hello Storyteller over to Sprout. And so I think, you know, you might look at it initially as an expense 
and you start to think to yourself like, well, why, you know, I don't, maybe I don't have a huge client base. Maybe my like homegrown written down system is working for me. But I will tell you that having gone through the process now with West Coast Meg and East Coast Meg, I can tell you that it is easier to get a CRM set up when your client base is small. And the reason being is mm-hmm. that, so like East Coast Meg, for example, has like a crazy person has been doing everything like written, which I don't know. I don't know how she has done what? that. But... What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just it like makes my head hurt. So in any yeah. case, mm-hmm. she has a gazillion clients. And so the process of getting everything over into Sprout, even though like they migrated it for her, but just like, you know, you've got you have clients that you started in one system that now you have to pull over to the other and you've got to move their contracts over and you've got to move their galleries over. And it's just like, I think if you're on the fence about whether or not you want to start with a CRM, I would say it is worth the investment with Sprout in particular. And we'll put, um, I have an affiliate link we'll put in the show notes with Sprout in particular, you can do month to month. So you don't have to pay the whole year up front. Obviously, as most programs go, you get a bit of a discount if you do the year in advance, but you can do month to month. And I just think it's easier to get it started when you have a smaller client base and when you have a newer business than trying to migrate and, and change at some point during the year. Not to, not, not to say that it can't be done. Absolutely can be done. Happens all the time. East Coast Mag, we figured it out. We got her set up. But I would just say, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'll just wait, I'll wait until like my client base grows to do it, I would say, don't do that. And then I will say this, no matter what CRM you use, whether it is Sprout or something else, it takes time to get the systems set up. And so ultimately for me, I'm trying to automate as much of my business as possible because, you know, as most of us are, we're one woman, one person shows. And so if I can automate processes for my business, that helps me on my end. So like the process of setting up my online booking calendar is intense because I need to like look at my kids' sports schedules and my husband's work schedule and my schedule and put in the dates and the times and, you know, and all of those things. And so it takes time. But the beauty of it at the end is that I can send a link out to my clients and say, if you want to book a session, go here. And they click on the link. They pick their date. The session time is already there for them. They get to sign, their, they fill out their questionnaire and they do their contract and they submit their payment and they get confirmation emails and all that happens without me having to do anything, which is beautiful because if you think otherwise, every single one of those pieces is a back and forth email, right? I want to I wanna book a session and then, okay, what dates are you available? What dates are you available? You go back and forth at least three or four times then. And then I got to send the contract. They have to send it back. I send a questionnaire. They send it back. They send it like... The amount of time that automating things in your business, especially when you're a one person show can save is incredible. So it does, it is time intensive to set it up, but it is worth it to save you when your business does begin to grow and you do begin to take on more clients to be able to not have to spend as much time going back and forth with clients about dates of availability and contracts and questionnaires and all that other stuff. So that is like really the main tool that I use to keep my business organized when it comes to client information and contracts and galleries and album proofing and products and prints and it's everything Sprout does it all. I do my booking through Sprout, my gallery delivery through Sprout, contracts, questionnaires, inquiries, 
album proofing, prints, products, all of it through Sprout. I don't use any other outside program to do any of that. And I do all my email marketing through Sprout too, which is if you are a member of the Hello Storyteller community and you get any of our emails, <laughs> those are all done through Sprout. They have a beautiful email interface that is, I would say, very similar to like what you would see in like a like a flow themes type of situation. So I'm all about one-stop shopping. And that's what Sprout is. It's kind of like Target, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get your groceries. <laughs> you can get your groceries, your makeup, your pet supplies, like all of it. That's what I love Target, about it. Target, the photography world. It is the Target of the photography world. <laughs> I love it. Me so too. again, we'll have a link for it in the show notes for you. But that really is sort of the, the main way that we both keep our businesses organized. Now, maybe on, an, on another series, we'll talk about other programs, tools, applications that we use in terms of a, in our session workflow, but that's a little bit different than what we're going to talk about today. So the next piece in the final sort of chunk of our passion to profit episode today is we had gotten a question about, how, you know, if I don't want to be a portrait photographer or a wedding photographer, but I do want to be able to make an income with photography. What are some other ways that we can do that? And so we talked about stock photography. And I think in the last episode of the series, we linked this, the episode we did with Leah Jones about stock photography. Um, but we wanted to touch on two somewhat non-traditional, but lucrative, I would say, potentially lucrative ways to be able to make an income with photography. Now, here's the deal. Unless you truly only want to do like landscape photography or like shoot photography or fine art photography where like you don't have to like solicit or get like actual physical human clients you are still going to have to work with people <laughs> like that's just yeah. sort of how it works you can't cut out the middleman entirely unless you're just producing your own prints and selling them on your own so the two types the two methods we're going to talk about today are corporate clients and photo booths. So I think we'll talk about photo booths first because it is sort of a niche that is, has been, and as a wedding photographer myself, I can tell you that it has sort of been like up and coming in the last couple of years, but it's also sort of a, a thread over to corporate events too. So photo booth, I say photo booth and you probably think to yourself like strip mall, get in behind the curtain, sit down, <laughs> it spits out three pictures. <laughs> and I would say that there's a lot of different ways to be able to do photo booths. So there's like different like equipment you can get to do photo booths. So there is something called like this, I think it was called the salsa. I'm not sure why it was called salsa, but salsa photo booth <laughs> where I think it's either used as an iPad or like a DSLR. And it does sort of like print out like that photo strip site type of situation. I have seen it done with a DSLR and a tripod with a ring light in front of it and a backdrop. And there's someone manning the camera and it's basically like you set an intervalometer and it takes three photos and it, you know, that sort of thing. So if you already have, you know, a DSLR and you get yourself a decent ring light and a funky little backdrop, like you're in business. And then, you know, the process in which you can set up delivery could either be, you know, they fill out a little quick form which you could also do through Sprout, you know, online when they sign up or they come over to you at the event. You know, if you wanted to print off like physical photos for people, you can get one of those. 
I know like Pixma makes them and Canon does too. And they basically print off like little, you know, like a little uh, almost Instax sort of size photos that you can just print right there. Obviously, there's some overhead to those types of situations, because if you are going to be doing, you know, physical prints, you're going to need printer and ink and paper and that sort of thing. But I will tell you that photo booths are pretty popular. I see them all the time at weddings. And so if you're someone that wants to maybe tiptoe into the wedding industry, but you don't want to actually be responsible for like taking pictures of the wedding <laughs> and you're totally fine with dealing with a bunch of drunk, happy people, then a photo booth <laughs> may be right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> totally dude yeah and so i you know i see people bring like little props and signs and wigs and big glasses and you know all kinds of stuff so but it's super easy to get it started very quickly with minimal sort of like overhead or minimal ha purchases that have to be made the other place the other thing is that photo booths are not just specific to weddings so you think about things like bar mitzvahs bat mitzvahs graduation parties sweet 16 parties corporate events like it can be applicable across many, many genres. And, you know, because the overhead potentially could be pretty low, if you already have the equipment, then you can put together different types of packages for the number of hours of coverage that you want. So, okay, do you want the photo booth for two hours? You want it for four hours? You want it for the, you know, whatever, and especially for weddings too. You only need to be there during the reception. So you're talking most receptions are maybe four or five hours. So you set up your photo booth in the corner of a wedding or in the corner of a corporate event or at a graduation party and you pull up, you take, you, basically you let people take pictures of themselves for, yeah. <laughs> for two to four hours and then you pack up your stuff and you go home. Perfect. And, I like that. And, and done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and no one's like expecting there it to be you know, like super ridiculously high quality. That's going to be right. better than the, than the mall one, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that is something I would say is might be interesting to look into. And then that thread over from photo booths, and you can get super creative with it too. So one of my friends here in the town where I live, actually she and her husband run a company called Fort Photo Booth. And they actually like renovated a little like, like trailer, like a little seventies trailer yeah, and that's so, what I want to do. That'd be so fun. Right? It is so fun. Or like fun. a Volkswagen van. That's what I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and they, they do, yeah, they do weddings. And I've shot multiple weddings where they've been there. And they sort of just park their rig. And, you know, because it's small. It's not Genius. a big, huge trailer. They just pull it up. They park it. People come in. You know, they come in from outside, they come outside from inside and they get their pictures taken and it does, it does spit out a little photo strip for them and it prints out like two or three, I think. So one goes into the guest book for the wedding couple and then one, the people get to take with them. So it's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you could do it and it's pretty low stress overall. So that's something to consider. I like it. Yeah. But then, then there's corporate events. And I would say that here's the thing. Here's the thing about corporate events. Now you're talking anything from like annual business meetings to like holiday parties to like Meg's gonna talk about a collaboration she's doing with one of the local high schools. I just photographed a, a launching event for a new space for a college that my husband happens to work at. And here's maybe, maybe the unknown secret about corporate is they pay pretty well. <laughs> like, 
I mean, for what you're actually doing, which the majority of the time is you're just doing documentary candid shots. You're just capturing photos for them that they can use on their website. You make sure that you figure out who the important people are and you make sure you document them. You get a couple a couple of group shots of people together and that is pretty much it. It's pretty low key. It's pretty low stress. It doesn't require a lot of editing and the pay is, is pretty decent, especially if it's a larger company. You know, whatever you throw to them in terms of your rate, they're probably gonna be like, all right, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is potential and I know people that strictly only like that got out of the wedding business to go over to corporate because the money was as good if not better wow. and it really depends obviously on the business that you're working with the clients you have you know, how frequently you're doing things but I would say that that type of photography is something that I like it's kind of a breath of fresh air like I did this event uh was it last week I think it was last week for my, where my, the college my husband works for, they had a new office opening up in downtown Boston and they had like a launching event. And so, so I went and photographed it and it was real easy. <laughs> <laughs> was not hard. I sat there for two hours and just, they had like a panel and some speakers and I, you know, made sure that I touched base with the the coordinator and like, okay, who are the important people who I needed to keep an eye out for? Like the president of the college was there. So I made sure that I got some great shots of him. You know, the, the people they're, they're partnering with, I made sure I got some great shots of them, but then it, it's just all candid shots, which is fun. Cause then you can get like super fun and creative. And you know, most corporations or businesses are just looking for like straight photos. They don't need anything like crazy or funky depending on the business. And so it's pretty straightforward and it's not a bad, it's not a bad gig. So my experience with both like corporate events and corporate headshots as well is that you can make a decent amount of money with very little overhead and actually very little like post-processing work, which two thumbs up for that. But Meg, why don't you talk about what you just did recently with one of the local high schools? Yeah. So I was asked, uh, actually Ella and I, my youngest, were asked to be a part of the one of our local high school's graduation movies for their yearbook class. And um, so I got to work uh, with one of the students who was doing the videography. And Ella, my daughter, was the model, the, <laughs> the graduating, <laughs> the graduating uh, student. She's in kindergarten. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they wanted someone young to give some uplifting and motivational quotes to the graduating class of 2022. So it was, Aww, it was a super so fun cute. project. It was so cute. And uh, it was super fun because I got to direct it and come up with the video concept from start to finish. So I actually like busted out Canva and storyboarded it and everything. Like it was the whole thing. Nice. <laughs> and, I mean, I've, I've made videos in the past, but it's usually, you know, a day in the life type of project where I'm following the kids around and just stitch it all together and whatnot but this one was a very thoughtful planned out type of video so i definitely wanted to go in and bring my a game and be prepared and organized so storyboard it was but i, I was glad i did it because it just it gave me the focus and the visualization that I could see it because I would pull in, I either would like Google like areas of the high school and stick them in there. So I like know where we were shooting and I could show the student 
of my idea and vision. And then he could kind of, you know, take some creative reign with that and do his own thing, which I thought was great because, you know, me as more of a mentor and him learning, but also he was, he was great in this situation where he really did bring some creative ideas to the table. So I was really uh, happy and grateful for that as well. Um, mm. Just because I mean, video is not my forte, you know, I am mm -hmm. a photographer and stills, but um, I love video. Video does have my heart. So um, as I progress in my career here in a creative path, I am picking up more video as I go along. So, but that was, it was really fun to work with them. So that will air um, this coming Monday for the graduating class because they graduate on Tuesday. I can't believe it's the end of the year. Like what the I'm heck? I'm excited to see it. Oh, so excited. I put together a little um, movie uh, in my own stories and I'll probably put together some type of reel for next week because I, uh, part of the movie was Ella had a bouquet of balloons and rainbow assortment, of course. Of course. No, not rainbow. It was the school colors. Oh. But she's walking down the field with the balloons and then at the very end, she lets go with balloons and it's like a scaled shot uh, she's on the football field, so she's walking down the football field and lets go of the balloons, and they go up into the air. And uh, But I got a shot before she lets go of the balloons, so she's, like, holding it. It's a faceless shot. She's holding it out, and she's wearing a cap and gown. Like, it's the cutest thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I'm super excited to put that together, and I was still able to capture something from the event. I went in there, too, thinking, like, oh, I'm going to shoot my own version and this and that, but... You know, you go into these projects with all these grand ideas and like hopes and dreams and all this. And then you get there and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's so much work. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was I was trying to juggle a lot. I was in there, you know, being a mentor, directing it, showing him uh, the student what to do, directing Ella, who's six, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I'm she's trying to say these motivational lines. So I'm spitting her lines and she's six. So I have to say them again. <laughs> <laughs> and again and again. But all in all, it was a very, very fun and very rewarding project. And I think all around, we all had a really great time. And uh, due to COVID, Ella didn't uh, get to like graduate preschool or, you know, do that fun stuff. And so this was kind of a good, a nice little makeup for it, you know? So she got, she has a whole video. She's going to be in this video for years to come for the high school for examples and new videos. So yeah, it was it was really special. So, yeah, if you're looking for some some new projects to do, check out with your local schools and see what they got going on and see if they'll let you uh, interact with them because it was really fun. It was really, really fun. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like I did the shoot from for my husband's, you know, work pro bono. I volunteered to do that because I would like to take on, you know, not a ton, but I'd like to take on more corporate clients and I have a ton of headshot like material, but I don't really have much event material. And so I was like, Hey, just let me eat and drink while I'm there. And then I'm fine. Like I'm good to go. That's, like, <laughs> that's my payment. My face. <laughs> and so, you know, as you talked about, I think in the very first passion to profit episode that, you know, we all start somewhere and I think it's absolutely fine to make the decision to volunteer your services or to do something pro bono. If that's what you want to do, it's a whole different situation if someone's like, oh, I'm willing to pay you an exposure when you were anticipating getting paid for something. And maybe we'll talk about that in a different episode. But like mm -hmm. I volunteered to do this because I knew it was an important event for him. I knew they didn't have a photographer and I knew that I could utilize the shots to be in my own portfolio. And so it was a win-win across the board. 
Plus, I got to hang out on a rooftop deck in Boston. So, like, hey, hey. <laughs> got Lala. myself some shots while I was up there. So, you know, and again, you know, Meg was partnering with a local school, too. And so I think, again, if you are making the decision because you want to do it because it's a passion project or it's a creative scratches, a creative itch or because you want it for your portfolio, that's absolutely fine. But we'll delve more into the whole exposure instead of payment bartering situation in a, in a in a later episode. So again, let us know if there are topics that you would like us to discuss when it comes to this Passions to Profit series. Again, feel free to email us. You can comment in, um, in your reviews. You can DM us on Instagram. We would love to hear from our listeners as to what other topics would be helpful to cover. And with that, we're gonna let you get back to your day. So hang in there, friends. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye.